Pray with me. Heavenly Father, today death is arrested. The life of your Son, which had come to an end for our sake, began again. And our life began along with him. Today, Lord, let us hear what you have to speak to us. Let your risen Son come and change our hearts and change our lives. All praise be to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, the one who is, the one who was, and the one who will be, from the sevenfold spirit before his throne and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness, the first of the dead to live again, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Ready? Christ is risen. Today I'd like to share with you a text that is just overflowing with hope because of what the resurrection of Jesus has accomplished for us. So hear these words from 1 Peter chapter 1, the same Peter who found himself at the tomb that first Easter morning. He says this, Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is God's word. As we mentioned earlier in in the service today, this Lenten season here at St. Lawrence, we've been spending time together in Isaiah chapter 53. We've been going through this series called The Agony and the Ecstasy, reflecting on everything that Jesus was willing to to go through and, and to suffer for us. Throughout this past week, we've spent a lot of time together at various services, reflecting, somberly remembering Jesus's passion and death. The harsh reality is that that we were lost in sin and death. Jesus came to do something about it, and he ended up murdered and buried in a tomb. It looked like all hope was lost for him and for us. As a recently written song that we're going to sing in just a few minutes, praise to God, how great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. The chasm was wide and the night dark. Darker still was the day on which our Lord Jesus hung on a cross and the sun refused to shine. But, as the great hymn says that we'll get to sing together today also, the pains that he endured, our salvation have procured. 
Yesterday, the Lord of life lay dead in a tomb. But now yesterday's agony has come to a sudden and decisive end because Jesus is alive. He burst the bonds of death, destroyed its power over us forever, and now lives and reigns to all eternity. And because of that, our sins are forgiven. Our fear is gone. Our desperation has been utterly obliterated. Yesterday's agony has given way to today's ecstasy. Last year on Easter at this service, we, we celebrated and we proclaimed the wonderful news of the resurrection of Jesus with the words of Psalm 118. Let's see if you remember those words. I'll, I'll say the first part. And it'll be up on the screen. You say the second part. Ready? This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day. The night is past. Yesterday is gone. Today, your sin and shame have been left forever dead behind in the tomb. Today, the lamb who was slain has slaughtered death. Today, the risen one sees us, his offspring, and rejoices, and our hearts rejoice as well. Our Lord and Savior is alive again and exalted to the highest place. Today, we exult in him. Today, we are truly ecstatic. But is today's ecstasy going to last? Does it have holding power? Will today's high carry over into tomorrow, or will our joy fade along with the songs of triumph and celebration that we sing here today? We can talk all we want about yesterday's agony and today's ecstasy, but what if tomorrow tragedy strikes? For that matter, what if you're sitting there right now in agony because of something going on in your life, and no matter how hard you try, you just don't really feel all that ecstatic this morning. How can you? With the slowly creeping illness your loved one is suffering from. With the threat of divorce looming. With the bills piling up and the bank account running dry. Even if everything is well today and and you're riding today's high with a heart free from worry or pain, agony may yet come. Peter told us that, didn't he? Now for a little while, if necessary... You have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus has risen from the dead, but we still suffer. We need something real, something genuine, something lasting. What's the answer? The answer is hope. And this hope is not a wishy-washy wish that, that will wash away, but the solid promise of the living God, a firm and certain conviction that what he has done for us, what he has won for us, changes everything and is real and genuine and lasting. In fact, Peter says that this hope, like Jesus, is living Will you read that verse with me? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope because we have a living Lord. What exactly does this mean? 
Well, for one thing, our, our living hope is the opposite of a dying hope. It's not a pipe dream that, that we desperately wish were true, but we suspect probably is not. It is a certainty in what we know is true and what we know is coming true even now. Biblical living hope is a hope that sees the future as clearly as it sees the past, that through the eyes of faith grasps onto what will be because of what Jesus has done. And what Jesus has done is conquer death in the flesh. When Jesus rose from the dead, it wasn't simply that that his spirit came alive again, though his body remained dead in the grave. Jesus was not a ghost. He was a dead man who came back to life again. Real flesh and blood life. And the promises that he's made to us are real and tangible and flesh and blood. Real flesh and blood resurrection in the future and real flesh and blood living right now. One of the saints of old has said of Jesus that he died in order that we should no longer be afraid of death. And he rose again so that we might have a hope of rising again through him. The hope that Jesus gives us is that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The hope that Jesus gives us is that the one who raised him from the dead will also give life to our mortal bodies through his spirit dwells within us. And so our living hope is a hope for living, a hope in real and eternal life tomorrow, and a hope for living out today. But it might be fair to wonder, is hope something I really need? I was having a conversation with a friend this past week, and we were talking just about the state of the church, and he said, you know, I think the, the reason the church is struggling in first world countries is because people just don't feel like they need hope anymore. They have everything that they need, so the church is irrelevant. Perhaps nowhere is this more apparent than in Europe, where these big cathedrals so often sit empty. Although there, there was one that, that never really seemed to be empty. Unfortunately, I have to say was, at least for now, because of what happened to it this past Monday. Most of us have heard a lot about the fire at Notre Dame in Paris. We've seen the photos of the utter destruction of the blaze that started on the roof and soon engulfed the whole structure. We've watched with sadness the video of its famous spire crumbling to the ground. I had the privilege of of actually singing at Notre Dame back in 2007 with my college choir. It was just an incredible experience. I don't know why the church is so funny. I mean, yeah. (laughs) It was an incredible experience with an incredible hairstyle. Um, But for me and and for so many who have experienced uh, the beauty of this place firsthand, not my beauty, but the beauty of the church behind me, uh, the loss of this cathedral actually feels pretty personal. There's a a Parisian named Elizabeth Kelly who was interviewed. Uh, She lives in the neighborhood near Notre Dame, and, and she said, I'm devastated. It's a symbol of Paris. It's a symbol of Christianity. It's a whole world that is collapsing. A brother pastor of mine sharing his his own personal feelings of attachment to Notre Dame wrote this. 
We desperately want the work of human hands to endure immortally. For through the idols of our edifices, we think we can taste a piece of immortality. Therefore, to watch one of the greatest works of humankind, which took hundreds of years to establish, burn in hours, throws our mortality into our faces. It reveals our impotence, insignificance, and irrelevance. We cannot stand this feeling, no matter our allegiances. So do you need hope? Yes. Because everything on this earth will perish. Even you. But there is hope, even after terrible destruction. Does anybody know what the phrase Notre Dame means in French? Our Lady. As I was thinking of of this cathedral and and what it meant to me, another European church came to my mind, uh, one whose name also means Our Lady, not in French, but in German. Um, If ever there was a church whose beauty rivaled that of Notre Dame. It's, it's actually a Lutheran church in Dresden, Germany, known as the Frauenkirche, Church of Our Lady. Emily and I were privileged to visit there a couple years ago. Um, as you may know, Dresden was mercilessly firebombed by the Allies during World War II. Over 90% of the city center was completely destroyed, including the Frauenkirche. For decades, under communist rule, it sat as a pile of rubble until in 1992 it began to be rebuilt. And the cool thing is, as far as it was possible, they used as many of the original stones as they could, piecing it together like a jigsaw puzzle, and the church was completed in 2005. The resurrected Frauenkirche is an utterly spectacular achievement, and it stands as one of the most stunningly beautiful buildings in the world. French President Emmanuel Macron has vowed that they will rebuild in Paris too. And I hope that one day I can take my kids to see Notre Dame in all its restored glory. Because there is hope, even after terrible destruction. And yet even the newly rebuilt Notre Dame, and the Frauenkirche, and in fact the whole world, will not last. In his second letter, Peter says, The heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, and listen carefully here, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God? According to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness Dwells. It's the whole world that is collapsing, Elizabeth Calley said. She's right. On our own, there is no escaping destruction. There is no escaping our impotence, insignificance, and irrelevance. But eternal praise be to God that through the resurrection of Jesus, He has given us an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading. Eventually, all of our earthly edifices will crumble. Everything that we build up to give us hope or meaning in this life will falter, be they cathedrals or or skyscrapers or bank accounts or even relationships. Everything on this earth 
will fade away. But what will never crumble is the inheritance prepared for us by the risen Lord Jesus Christ. The inheritance won by his resurrection from the dead will never, ever fade. Martin Luther once said, this inheritance does not change. It remains fresh and green forever. On earth, no pleasure is so great that it does not become unpleasant as time goes on. We see that one becomes weary of everything, but this blessing is different. This blessing is different. This blessing, this inheritance is being kept safe for us until the day when the heavens and the earth will be brought to an end, when our perishable bodies will be clothed with the imperishable, and we will rise like Jesus did to live forever in God's new heavens and new earth. Because we, as Peter says, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this, we rejoice. Right now, we see it with the eyes of faith, not yet with the eyes of our body. Again, Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Earlier, I asked you if you needed hope. Now let me ask you this. Do your neighbors need hope? Do the people that God has placed in your life need to know that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and has prepared for them an imperishable, undefiled, and unfading inheritance? Your salvation is ready to be revealed. So is theirs. And God wants to use you to begin to reveal it to them. We have a living hope in the resurrection, in the inheritance Jesus has prepared for us, in the salvation ready to be revealed in us and to us. The grave is empty and our hearts are full of hope. May our mouths and our lives be also. So today and tomorrow and forever, let us shout the hope that fills us. Are you ready? Christ is risen. May the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, guard your hearts and minds in our risen Lord, Christ Jesus. Amen. We have a chance now to worship the Lord with our offerings. And as we do that, we're going to be singing a song called Living Hope uh, that is all about uh, what Jesus has done for us.